Hey everyone, welcome back. Every week I'm like, let me say something different other than welcome back, but welcome back. Uh, today's episode, we are going to discuss isolation, quarantine, and solitary confinement. And the things that I was like, I seriously think we've all been in um, solitary confinement. It's just been labeled differently. And I guess the things that may have, yeah, arose from this whole chapter in like humanity's history and yeah, maybe some stuff that I've experienced through it and yeah, maybe how it all relates to all of us in some kind of way. All right, let's get into this episode. All right, so listener appreciation today is going to uh, Shaina. Now, I'm sorry, I hope I pronounced your name right. Um, but it's Ratong. Ratang? No, no, it's not Ratang. Um, I think it's Raton. Um, and Shaina is a student from Southern Adventist University. And yeah, I just want to thank you for liking the Facebook page and for at least, yeah, being aware of, of the podcast. Um, and I thought I would give out a little bit of a shout out while we're here. Um, so Shaina is in a relationship with Tony. And uh, some of you may not know of Tony, but Tony is part of our podcast as well. So he co-hosts the Absurdity with Ryan Becker podcast. So feel free to check them out. Um, they have some really good discussions about topics that I know all of us are thinking about. So yeah, Absurdity with Ryan Becker. Um, and yeah, you'll be able to hear Tony on there as well. So thank you so much, Shiner. And yeah, really appreciate your support on social media. All right. So like I mentioned, um, I want to look at some parallels between solitary confinement, isolation and quarantine and yeah, how that affects us on a much deeper level than I think many of us have realized. Or maybe we realize that it's impacting us, but we just don't understand why or um, yeah. Okay, so I was watching um, some movies and the first one was uh, When They See Us, and it speaks about um, it speaks about a case um, and some charges that were placed on uh, five African-American boys and how they were falsely charged for a crime that they did not commit. Anyway, not going to get into the whole story of the movie. Highly recommend uh, everyone watch that. It will give you some insights um, that I think will help you to see. Uh, people for the vulnerable people that they are but uh, there was one particular boy out of all of those five boys that were charged and convicted and his name was Corey Wise and he was the eldest of the five boys so he was 16 at the time and because he was 16 he was put straight into an adult prison. Long story short uh, the, the guy spent a lot of time in solitary confinement as it's shown in, in the movie and he basically starts to lose it and yeah, anyway, so obviously solitary confinement has its impact on people's mental well-being and through that doco movie, whatever you want to call it, um, they just show how much it impacted him. Um, at some point, uh, he starts seeing his family, he starts seeing his mother, his sister, 
Uh, he has experiences where he starts talking to people. Um, I can't remember what else. I think, you know, he just started having like, he was hallucinating. Um, and it really, that was during like the peak of isolation and quarantine when I, when I watched this. And then there was another documentary, which is called uh, Time, the Khalif Browder story. Yeah, Khalif Browder story. And in that, uh, Khalif is also placed into solitary confinement on Rikers Island, uh, a prison that is um, just off New York City. Uh, It's basically an island that has been set up just for a prison. And he's placed into solitary confinement. And same sort of thing. He sort of starts losing it a little bit. This one's a doco though. Um, But he just, he actually shares um, basically how he felt, the way it impacted him. And in there, they actually, they put a statement. So I cannot remember because you guys know I'm terrible with like stats and figures and facts like that. I think he was in solitary confinement for about 300 days, I believe. It was a crazy amount like that. And he was in, uh, he was on Rikers, Rikers Island for about three years, I think it was, three or four years before he was actually, his case was, you know, dismissed because obviously there was not enough evidence. The witness didn't even show up. Anyway. But in that documentary, it says that the UN has said that um, that their their section that you know deals with torture and all that sort of stuff, they decided they concluded that solitary confinement beyond fifteen days was constituted as cruel and in, an inhumane punishment and classified as torture. Now that's after 15 days. They reckon after 15 days that thing's going to mess with you. And it is it has it will mess with you to the point where it is cruel, inhumane and classified as torture. So in the context of all of that, I'm sitting back and I'm just thinking we've all been in our own solitary confinement for I don't know how many days now. Different countries obviously have experienced a lot more. I am so thankful to God that Australia really hasn't had it as severe as what other countries have had it um, in terms of the virus spread, in terms of the deaths, um, and in terms of the restrictions. Um, Australia never went into like a proper lockdown. Now we're experiencing some areas that are going into their own little lockdown, but it's not like Australia like nationwide has decided we have to go into lockdown in comparison to like New Zealand where they went into lockdown the whole country. And as I as I sort of looked into this whole idea of solitary confinement, the impact that it has on our mental health, the impact that it has, um, it's quite traumatic. You know, people come out of that really traumatized. I thought to myself, you know what? I know for me personally, as I've discussed with, you know, just friends and people that I just communicate um, online, um, people that I don't actually know too much about, but people have reached out to me and and we've been able to get to know each other a bit more and uh, discuss things. I realized that we are all going through our own little solitary confinement right now with all this isolation stuff and with quarantine. I think a lot of us have had to face many demons and you know I'll be honest sometimes those demons take the form of our 
Um, and I say this jokingly, take the form of our family members. Um, but I don't mean it as in like real role demons. But I guess the fears and the things that test us the most and specifically during this time may actually be the people that we live with, the people that are under the same roof as us. I know for me personally, I really can't share my experience in relation to this particular quarantine or this particular pandemic. But when I experienced my own isolation was when uh, we moved to where I live now, which is Jinjin. And it, it was really, it was six months of just really struggling through the idea that I am so isolated. I'm so disconnected with my family because we moved. It's about four and a half hours from Brisbane where all our family is. So I experienced a lot of stuff in those first six months. My daughter, my eldest daughter was five months at the time and there were so many things that I had to face and I believe that many of us and especially with the people that I've been you know communicating with we're all going through that at the same time and it's been rough it's been really hard um one of the examples would be for example you know spouses are spending extra time together that they haven't really spent in a long time it's like you know what are we now we're in july so it's been like four or five months holiday with your spouse um, and it's not for recreational purposes it's not a holiday it's not a vacation it's actually been a time where there is so much there is so much negativity that we are processing in addition to the fact that and I have to be with you for the next you know hundred something days I think we're going through a lot of stuff that we're having to deal with being with our spouses, being with our children. Um, I know I've got a lot of people online who were just like, we just want school to go back uh, because they were just not coping with the reality of having to spend time with their kids and all day with their kids, like from the moment they wake up to the moment that they go to sleep. And I believe that in that whole process, through all of that, it has really revealed a lot of maybe our weaknesses maybe it has revealed a lot of things that we realize in our personality that we're like oh that actually hasn't been triggered like that because excuse me because I haven't been with you long enough to think that feel that or react in that kind of way For me personally, I remember when we first moved here. So when we moved to the country or to the bush, Stevie was working full time. I was employed by him uh, to do errands and run around and do deliveries to different uh, job sites and that kind of stuff. So I was very independent and I was, I used to go out a lot. Uh, If it wasn't to go out uh, for work, to buy materials or to drop off materials I would just go out because that was just what I've always done I've always been I would spend very little time at home so when we moved here we would stay at home 
every day and we would only go out to church on Sabbath and then every two weeks we would go to Bundaberg and do grocery shopping. Now, in addition to me going out, um, I, as some of you may already know, I really enjoy um, thrift stores or op shopping. So I, there is not a week where I do not go to a secondhand shop and have a look around. And it's usually not one, it's usually multiple secondhand shops. But so that was, that was basically the way that I was living before we moved here. When we moved here, like I said, we went into Bundaberg, the main city. Um, it's a small city, but we'd go into the city once a fortnight. And my husband is not a recreational shopper like me. So we, I wouldn't do that. Uh, we would go in and we would buy the things that we needed to buy. We would buy the groceries, you know, things for the, for the property, whatever. It was really just for errands. It wasn't for fun. It wasn't to have a great day out. So that was every fortnight. That got to me because of the very fact that I was so used to going out and not being in the house. So that really, really affected me. Um, Another thing that really affected me was the fact that I was with my husband all day. And I don't think there's a degree that comes in the absence of being in each other's presence. You sort of can handle each other better um, when you see each other like a few hours at the end of the day. You know, after work, there's like a four or five hour period from when you get home to when you go to sleep. It's really different to waking up with them, breakfast with them, the rest of the day with them, lunch with them, rest of the day with them, dinner with them, rest of the evening, then you go to sleep. There's such a difference in the interaction that you have with someone when you wake up and go to sleep with them compared to you wake up, they go to work you see them in the afternoon and you go to sleep. And I felt uh, during those first six months, I was like, wow, this is the guy that I married. And trust me, he was like, wow, this is the woman I married. So there was a lot of things that I had to face. I honestly tell you, like within those first six months, I was like, okay, so this is my husband. This is who he really is. And at the time, you know, I, I, Chloe was only five months, so there wasn't too much that I had to deal with. I'd already worked that out. But I did notice that, at least with Chloe, when we would go out, uh, when she would be in the car, she would sleep a lot um, because I'd be going out. I would have her in the baby carrier, so she was just, she was a lot more peaceful because of the fact that we were just out and about um, and there was enough stimulation or at least there was enough contact between her and me that she was quite content with her life. She was a really good baby. When we moved out here, it was a little different because now I'm having to keep her entertained. We're not going out anywhere. We're not driving anywhere. So she's not sleeping the same amount of hours as she was sleeping. A lot of stuff affected us. And then you have the fact that there was obviously an absence of socializing because I, even though I may not have hung out with friends every day, but I was going out and interacting with other people. And I remember one of the biggest things that affected me, a second to my being away from my mom, was the fact that I did not see another human except for once a week, which was um, at church. 
and then I didn't go out and see anyone other than people from church every fortnight. So there was a lot of things I had to deal with my loneliness. I had to deal with this idea that I don't have my family anymore. I don't have my mom. I felt very alone. I felt extremely disconnected. And that whole six months made me become very independent. It made me become someone who was like, um, as much as I need you all, as much as I need everything that I had in Brisbane, I'm like, I'm going to have to actually learn to live without it because there is no way that I'm going to have that again. And I think during this time of isolation, um, I believe many of us have had to face a lot of things that we probably have never had to face because we have never been in this type of situation for the length of time that we have all experienced it. I believe that many of us have had to face our own demons, whether that is, you know, for those who are married, whether it's maybe seeing your spouse in a different way. Uh, Maybe you're in a position, hey, your spouse has just always been great and it's just great to spend that extra time together and to really make it uh, beneficial and to, yeah, to be of of good for you. And for others, for some of us, it's been like, oh, so this is the man that I married or this is the woman I married. There, There may have been some challenges in really seeing the fullness of who your spouse is and those little things that become really irritating that were never irritating before, but now they're irritating. So that's, that's, I guess, what I've, I've really seen and observed through the people that have shared with me is that this period has been uh, very challenging on many, many levels and for varying reasons. Uh, for some, it's just the fact that um, they're just dealing with the anxiety and the fear of the unknown of not only being stuck at home or being stuck wherever they live, but the very fact that they are also um, having to deal with the fear of a pandemic on top of the emotional stuff that's going on with having to be with certain people or whatever at home. The other side is for those who are single, for those who um, maybe live on their own or for maybe... For those who are away from their family, it has created a different set of demons that they've had to face. Um, I know with some of the people that I have spoken, you know, they've had to deal with the reality that they're like, I am really alone. I don't have anyone who I can honestly depend on, who I can honestly trust to be there. I'm actually alone in this world. And that has created its own set of of challenges and fears and negative emotions because of the very fact that they realize I am on my own and yeah it's 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 a painful place to be when you have to process that when you're not ready to process that or even when you see the reality for what it is Um, maybe you were in a position where you just were always in a in an awesome little squad, um, but because of isolation and quarantine, everyone has had to go back to their places, and you've realized you've got nowhere to go back to, or you've got no one to go back to. Um, that can be a really, really challenging um, season to go through, and 
like I said, I think we're all having to face our own demons in different ways. But this period has really impacted a lot of us and have made us really question a lot of things. And at the same time, to sort of be like, what do I do with my life? You know, where am I at? What, what, what can I try and actively change in this whole scenario? Uh, the other point that I wanted to also touch on was uh, regarding church. Um, I know for many people, um, this period of being away from church has been a bittersweet. I know for me personally, I am so happy doing online church. I actually am not, I'm, I'm still not looking forward to going back to church for different reasons. Probably the main reason is the fact that uh, we're a small church. I have leadership positions. Um, I'm very active in my church and going to online church just was so simple that I actually look forward to Sabbath and that's terrible to say, but I actually look forward to it for the simplicity of what it is. Um, I'm, I'm getting fed spiritually. My family are together. We're spending time together with my kids uh, by the time we get to the afternoon, my husband likes to go and visit uh, church members or visitors. So by the time he goes out, which is usually around three o'clock, we've actually spent a lot of time together and it just has been such an awesome family Sabbath that we've never experienced it because we're both in leadership positions and we've always been really, really busy on a Sabbath. So I'm not looking forward to that. I'm not looking forward to going back to church and being busy and coming home and being exhausted and then um, everyone just doing their own thing because we're just all so tired from the day. But another thing that I know I've, I've had people share with me is that in being away from their church, they've realized how many people reach out to them. Uh, they've reached out how much of a community their church really is apart from just showing up on Sabbath. And a lot of people have, um, I mean, a lot of people have that I have spoken with have expressed the fact that no one's called me. No one's done this. The pastor hasn't rung me. The pastor didn't visit me. No one from church has visited me. I believe that during this period of isolation as well, I think we have faced the demon of realizing that our church community isn't as tight as we would like or as we make it out to be and I think this is in all denominations that I think it is restricted to Adventism but I do believe that one of the realities that we have all faced is that no one contacted us and I'll be totally honest I've tried to think of someone who has intentionally contacted me from my church and be like hey Kat just wanting to check how you're going. I can't think of anyone that has actually done it just for that reason. Um, anyone who has sort of seen how we were, it was because we were communicating about something else. And in that dialogue of them wanting to know something, uh, they've asked, hey, and I hope you guys are well or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that's another painful reality that some people have faced. Not for me. I mean, I honestly... I honestly do not depend on my church for my socializing, for my interaction, for my community. I, I don't place that burden on them. Um, 
and that may be for various reasons it may be because we're just not set up that way and there's just not people around in my church to have as like close friends anyway but yeah I, I don't know I don't know but I know that for some people it has been very discouraging to see that their church hasn't been so attentive to just checking up on people and the one thing I would say to that is you know what everyone is going through a lot right now um, so if you expected your pastor to do certain things just remember your pastor is going through certain things uh, your pastor is going through the same isolation the same uncertainty the same fears he has a family that he has to also provide for so um, please don't place so much pressure on your pastor to be on top of everything while he's trying to sort his own stuff out um, same with church members um, I think within everyone like I don't hold a grudge because no one has reached out to make sure that we're okay. Like that just, it doesn't affect me. Like I said, I've never placed that expectation on my church. But I believe that we all have to understand just as uncertain and as uneasy and as challenging as this period has been for you and you would have liked someone to have contacted you, This these same challenges or at least maybe other challenges but it has been just as challenging for the people that you expected to contact you we've all been going through some sort of um yeah uncomfortableness or we've all been going through our own battles in different ways during this time so it please try and just be a little um, compassionate about the humanity of your church members if they haven't reached out hey maybe that just shows that there is not that much of a deep degree to your friendship um and and just maybe just really see it for what it is hey everyone's going through a difficult period right now um so be yeah a little bit allow for a little bit of room for that um okay so that's that and lastly i just want to say hey one of the effects um when people come out of solitary confinement back into like the normal area of the jail or the prison is that they suffer a lot of trying to transition back into that uh, depending on the amount of time that they have spent within solitary confinement it's not just a hey guys I'm out how you all doing it isn't quite as smooth as what as one would think even though the prisoners are wanting to be out of solitary confinement even though they may be in a state of mind where it is better for them to go out back into the main um, prison just because there is a lot of benefits to that to them coming out of solitary confinement it does not mean that once they they are moved into that area that it just comes with all you know great benefits there is a lot of um, accommodating that the prisoner has to make there's a lot of changes it's a real transition and I believe that as we go about transitioning back into what we had prior to our own solitary confinement uh, during this COVID period just be kind to yourself it may not be as smooth it may be a little bit difficult you may be in a position where you know what I'd rather stay in isolation I don't want to go back to 
the social interactions or um, I don't feel comfortable going back out into the world uh, with the way that things are. Maybe um, you prefer the safety of your home during this period. And I guess that's something that we're all going to have to work through as, you know, our countries begin letting us uh transition back into normality and back into society and back into the world and yeah that will come with its challenges but I pray that God will help you uh, to be able to find the place where you need to be so that you can transition back in the best way with the least amount of negativity and negative dialogue and all the other stuff that may come attached with going back out into the world Uh, When we have, you know, I believe many of us have actually learned to deal and live in an isolated state. And for introverts, you guys have to go back out and be sociable again. Um, for, For all of us, there's just different challenges that we face with going into isolation and coming out of isolation. And I pray that through it all, God has been able to help you and guide you and Um, Even in those really dark periods where you were just like, I don't think I can handle this anymore. I pray that God has helped you to really see areas um, in your personality, areas in your life that maybe you need to sort of look at a bit more. Maybe you need to assess, evaluate and work on so that you can be completely dependent on him Uh, that he can be everything that you need and that when situations like this come about you're okay you know it 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 isn't a negative experience or it isn't not a negative chapter in your life but rather it's it's a chapter where things are different but my mental health my emotional well-being and my spirituality aren't shaken unmoved um or at least there's a lesser degree of that, uh, the impact on you as a person holistically isn't as drastic as what maybe this period has been because it was so unexpected. It came out of nowhere. So yeah, guys, I pray that um, you can face your demons and that you can overcome your demons during this period, trusting that as you face them, that it will make you a stronger person. It will make you unshakable or at least less shakable. Um, But more than anything, I pray that it will give you the completeness that you need in order to completely give everything to God so that God is it and he's unshakable. He's unmovable. He is consistent. When everything else is just so all over the place, And we wake up one day and things have changed. We wake up another day, things have changed again. God is constant. God will not change what he can provide for you on so many levels. We'll always remain consistent if we can seek that and try and find that in him. All right, so until next week, my prayer, my hope, and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool for Jesus' name, and may you stay on fire. And um, yeah. Be brave and courageous with the Holy Spirit to face the demons that have been um, shown to you or that you have seen during this period of isolation and quarantine. All right, see you next week.